0: Look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. more than money with the Popovich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy on News Talk 770.
1: Lifestyle matters. it's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli. Filling in for Dave Popovich, I've got Andrew Mass and Andrew. Welcome. Thanks, Faisal. I love it that you're here and Dave's not. (laughs) I thought it was better than that,
0: but okay, we'll go with that. (laughs)
1: We're going to have a great show today. We've got a conversation about taxes. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to speak to our tax expert at CIBC, talking about some of his tips for 2019, what you can still do with four weeks left in the year. You and I are going to have a conversation in depth about some key pieces that people need to take away that they can learn from this year and maybe potentially carry it over to next year. So if you're interested in saving in taxes, this is the show for you. It is. We also have a conversation about a major consideration that Canadians need to be prepared for uh, financially in their retirement. I don't think people are aware... Um, how long people live and what are the impacts. But there are solutions. You're hearing so much in the industry. you got to save more, save more, save more. That puts a lot of pressure, anxiety, and stress on individuals. There's a bunch of options and we're going to explore that today. And so uh, this is a very interesting week when it came out in the markets. um, And some of the data, mainly it was Thanksgiving and black well, friday and we'll have cyber monday coming up and all this and so there's a lot of consumer spending conversation well, it happening.
0: is the holiday season Faisal, and you know with the holiday season we're going to have consumer spending and things are going to go on but uh um it's it was a short week as well right because u.s uh u.s thanksgiving was this week yeah um uh, but we did see um u.s major indexes hit all-time highs again
1: off, again okay
0: um but you know it didn't seem like a really big story
1: yeah, it's on lower volume, yep. so we have, that's why the story wasn't there. It's not like everybody is in the market still. A lot of them are taking time off. We Absolutely. had two, uh, three, three gross domestic product numbers that came out, Canada, USA, and China. Well, China was industrial profits. Industrial profits, sorry, so. yes. And so, give us the uh, the outlook on what happened here at home, and then what happened in the United States.
0: Well, in Canada, so yesterday they announced um, monetary value uh, GDP, which is the monetary value of all finished goods and services, yeah, um, made in a, any country or in this case Canada, yeah, um, over a prescribed period of time. So the Q three numbers came in, um, and um, real GDP was up. from the last quarter. Okay, so so that's good news. That's a good
1: number, Mm -hmm. but lower than the previous quarter.
0: Well, the previous quarter was adjusted down. So it was originally suggested to be 3.7%, but it was down... it revised to three point five percent. Okay. So the trend slightly lower. Yeah. Um, but we
1: are seeing sort of a
0: trend on GDP coming down, not going up.
1: Okay. And the U.S. What was the U.S. numbers
0: like? Um, U.S. numbers were actually not too bad. Third quarter GDP was two point one percent from previous one point uh, nine, so a little bit better. Okay. Consumer spending <laughs> was up zero point three percent in October, so again, uh, positive story. Um, core capital goods for manufacturers up 1.2%.
1: Okay, so let's break this down. Mm-hmm. Let's let's talk about both Canada, USA. Um, let's start off with the United States. Yeah. There are certain parts of the U.S. economy that are slowing down mm-hmm. for whatever reason it may be, okay? Uh, call it trade war, call it the tax cuts that Trump gave last year is wearing off, yep. whatever it may be. So there's certain parts of the economy in the U.S. is slowing down, but there is one segment that's still a highlight when it comes to uh, the U.S. economy, and that's the U.S. consumer.
0: And the U.S. has always been a consumer-based economy. Yeah. About
1: well, 70% of their economy is based on consumption Exactly. Um, and, and consumer spending. We saw business investment didn't jump much in the United States, No. Nope. And but the consumer is still going out there. So picture it this way, Andrew. You've got a bunch of levers to move the economy forward, and the only lever that's really pushing this economy forward is the consumer. What happens when the consumer is exhausted?
0: Well, we would see things in the economy fall off. Or we slow down, right? investment in the U.S. economy fall off because if people aren't spending, um, companies aren't profiting, at which point investment simply can't be made so that's, towards new products or services.
1: That's the thing that people need to be aware of. Although the U.S. economy is moving forward, it's on the backs of the of the American consumer. In Canada, a little bit different. Mm-hmm. In Canada, it's been exports. That's right. We are selling more goods out there and that's that's helping our economy. Now, when we dig into the numbers, the amount that we're exporting to the US is decreasing. Yes. Okay, so, and I'm not talking just about oil. Let's no, talk well, about was, non-oil
0: exports. Well, think about it. You got oil and gas. Yeah agricultural products, whether that be grain, corn, milk, yeah. Yeah. dairy, whatever,
1: um, coal, yeah. and other exports. Manufactured, manufactured, manufactured goods. Manufactured goods. So we are now uh, shipping less goods to the U.S. than before, yet our exports are up. So to me, it mm-hmm. tells me that that could be a good thing. We could be diversifying our buyers. Okay. Yeah. But you, the U.S. is still our largest, our largest. market. largest. Yeah. And it's, it's going to take a long time before we can change that. Mm-hmm. Here's now that lever conversation I was having. If we start to see demand for our goods go down and demand for other countries' goods go up in relative to us, then that lever in Canada slows down from a 1.3% gross domestic product to even lower. Right now with 1.3% gross domestic product, we're all hearing no interest rate changes with the Bank of Canada. They have one tool and one tool to make our goods more attractive, and that's play with the interest rate to lower the currency value, so drop interest rates, Mm -hmm. we will make our dollar fall versus foreign currencies, and there we are now more competitive price-wise. Yes. That's the real lever that the Bank of Canada has. What's missing behind the scenes is what are we gonna do to tap into new markets to get more people buying our goods? And that's a longer-term strategy. So there is, in both countries, we have one lever in each side that is moving the economy forward. And if that lever slows down, we could go into either a major slowdown in the economy or a recession. So these are the things that we're looking out for. Yep. These are the things that when we build investment portfolios for clients, we have to be aware of. I'm not saying it's happening tomorrow. I'm just saying it, we have to be aware of it, right?
0: No, we have to watch those things very carefully, um, as as prudent portfolio managers, but those things, um, do take effect and those levers are important and we have to watch them.
1: Yeah. And so when we build a retirement strategy for, for clients, people who are coming to us today or people who are now have had, you know, good growth over the last 10 years, 15 years with us, uh, we're now saying, look, we're, we're getting into a, a potentially riskier time, and be aware of that. So how you manage your money, more importantly, how you're going to manage your retirement, yep. um, and what you're going to be using your financial assets to support your lifestyle in retirement, as we head to potentially a slower economy, is a different mindset than, hey, I've been seeing the markets go grow by seven, 10, 15 percent. I can just rely on that number for my future. I think people need to take an adjustment on that. Well, and as
0: consumers, as as, as investors, um, human nature says, I want more. If it's going to go up, I'm going to take on more. Yeah. Um, it's going to be, I can take on more risk. But the problem is we also become complacent. So what I mean by that is we go back in history. Let's go back to 2008. How many people remember that? Yeah, yeah. How many people remember a 38% drop yeah. in the TSX?
1: They remember it, but they don't act as if... It's still part of their their, their their DNA. That's
0: right. It was a blip at that moment in time, yeah. but boy did it hurt. Now and imagine they weren't retired at that time. That's right. Now and if we go back even further, remember the fall of Nortel? Yeah. (laughs) So once again, that was sort of a trigger point where then we saw the tech drop
1: push forward. Yeah, we call the tech wreck back of 2001. Exactly. Right? But what I'm getting at is because we
0: become complacent, we look at these numbers and we go, boy, it's never not going to go up. Well, (laughs) that's where I I concern myself with. You do have risks coming forward. We do have risks moving that way. And we've got to make sure that we insulate ourselves to protect that.
1: Yeah. And that's that's the, the one thing we want to mention today with the markets, GDP numbers and so forth. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, China slowing down. U.S. has uh, just the consumer, and Canada just has exports. So we are reliant on one uh, limb of the Mm -hmm. economy. So be aware of that. We are going to talk more about the economy, how to profit and protect in these types of markets, and we're going to do that on Tuesday, December 3rd, 7 p.m. at the Carriage House Inn. You need to reserve your seats. We're almost full now. So give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400, or you can register online at Money. Radio.com. Okay, retirement's changing. People have to be prepared for it. But there's not only one solution. There's multiple ways to look at that. And we're going to talk to a special guest about what are some of the issues and the ideas that you can do when it comes to preparing for your retirement. You're on 770 CHQR and more than money. Welcome back to 770 CHQR and more than money. And um, we are experiencing a bit of a difference, Andrew when it comes to how retirement is planned for today versus a generation ago or even a generation before that?
0: Well, absolutely. You know, And when I look at it for myself, well as a financial planner, and, you know, when my parents passed away, my dad passed away at 74, my mom passed away at 80, um, there's a significant difference. They retired at 65, dad passed away at 74. It's not a big life...
1: Lifespan. Uh, lifespan
0: it. or longevity. So planning is pretty easy for that.
1: Yeah, planning for 10 years is different than now, today, where people are living longer. And that
0: could be in excess of 30, 35, or 40 years, depending on the person.
1: And, and so what people need to understand is how are they going to prepare themselves for it, and let's have a good conversation. We have Philip Mullen, Vice President and Retirement Solutions Lead for Western Canada at Morneau Chappelle. Philip, welcome to the show. Hi, Faisal. So are Canadians, are, are we ready? Are we ready for this this whole change in uh, in longevity?
2: No, I don't think uh, many people really appreciate the difference, as as Andrew mentioned there. uh, We've gone from a situation where people were planning for maybe 10 years of retirement at the end of working for maybe 40 years um, to a situation now where people are working less, uh, maybe starting their careers later, taking career breaks, certainly starting families later. So that working period is much shorter, and then the retirement period is Is more like 20, 25 years, so it's it's becoming more similar to the actual uh, period of working and uh, when you're trying to build up those savings.
1: And this conundrum of life expectancy, kind of walk our listeners through what are some of the concerns and things they need to be aware of.
2: Yeah, I think one of one of the things uh, certainly Andrew mentioned his his parents. My, my dad certainly has a very uh, pessimistic outlook to his uh, his life expectancy. <laughs> you know, as an actuary, I'm trying to tell him he's going to live closer to 90, and he keeps telling me he's going to he's going to die any day now. So <laughs> that's kind of how he's uh, he's he's spending his money. Uh, but I think uh, people, you know, if they have an appreciation of the fact that even even though they may be only healthy for the next few years, they may actually may actually live for a lot longer um, through care and so on. So uh, that requires a different set of financial planning. And in an environment where uh, companies are providing less and less uh, support in this space, uh, and really you know we've seen the rise of defined contribution and, and capital accumulation savings plans for for employees over the last 10 20 years in place of those traditional kind of defined benefit plans that provided a a, a kind of guaranteed benefit all the risk is on the uh individual to manage their money and finances and, and try and make sure they last all the way to that to that final final uh final year of their life which can be really challenging because obviously uh Nobody really knows uh, how long they're going to live. So it, it requires much more thought and much more planning than, than ever before.
1: So so Andrew and Philip, both of you have the experience and expertise in this area. Um, when it comes to what individuals can do, there's multiple options. It's not just one option. And, and no. most people hear this, you're going to live longer, which quote unquote means you got to save a lot more. That well, may not be the only option?
0: I don't think that's the only option but I think Philip brings in a good point too that you know it's not about you know living 10 or 12 years you know there's probably going to be a health health concern in the future there's going to be something that's going to you know perhaps drive that income level down or 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 force people to do things that they weren't expecting Um, you know in when I look at my mom as a case she she ended up coming down and having dementia and dementia of course um, has a good long life expectancy at least 10 years for most people after diagnosis so so not only do we have to take care of ourselves throughout our, our lifetime, but we have crises along the way. So there's a couple of ways you can do it. Now, obviously, we can plan just to go into a certain age, um, you know, whether that be 90 or 95, which is I, I what well, we like, plan for. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I like 95. Um, another way might be, uh, and Philip may want to chime in on it, is, is um, front-loading your retirement. So maybe you're retiring at 55, 65, depending on what you want to do. And you take more money now and you accept the fact that you're going to take less later.
1: So Phil, what's your comments on that one? Because that's an option that people can have. They're concerned that they're, they'll are they run out of money, but they have their, and I call them the fun years in the first 10 years, 15 years of their retirement. And then it's not as fun as it used to be. And so they might be spending less. In your research or from anecdotally what you know, is, is that an, a viable option?
2: Yeah, it's a it's a it's a great comment because yeah, those first ten years of retirement, I guess are the fun years. You're traveling. Your your expenses are typically higher. Uh, we 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 kind of call it the U curve because you've got the, those high expenses in the first years, and then kind of the middle years of retirement. Uh, I guess the 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 income need drops quite significantly. You, you know, people aren't as mobile, aren't aren't probably doing as as many things. But then, as you mentioned, those last five ten years can be extremely expensive. Through medical needs and care. And so we see the, the income requirement perhaps spike dramatically in those final years. So, And that's why we call it the kind of U-curve. Um, so uh, that's something that a lot of people don't plan for, especially those final years, um, and, and sometimes have to rely on family and, and children and so on for support in those years. Um, but yeah, I, I, there, there's definitely different needs over that 20, 25 years of retirement uh, period that, that that people have. Um, one of the other trends I, I just mentioned, just to add to what Andrew's saying, is that we're definitely seeing a trend of, of people not kind of taking a hard retirement, you know, working, you know, 40 hour a week and then stopping. Um, we're, we're seeing a, a much greater trend towards phased retirement where people will take a part time position for a while, for a few years. Um, maybe take fewer shifts. People, people, maybe retiring from one job and, and taking another job that has a, a lower lower commitment for uh, in terms of time and, and maybe energy as well. So, uh, that's definitely a, tr- a growing trend we're seeing uh, so, in so terms of how people
1: manage. We're hearing option number one is save more money. Option number two. Um, Basic that U-curve you were mentioning, you're going to spend more at the beginning, spend less, and then it comes back up. Be prepared for that. Option number three is a phased retirement, going from full-time employment to maybe part-time employment or um, maybe seasonal, mm-hmm. and then and then you can have your full retirement later's on, later year, years on. What about um, just delaying your retirement? I think we've, we're all living longer, and we used... We used to believe that Freedom 55, remember those commercials were going all over the place and people yeah. were like, I call them brainwashed because they, everybody has to retire at 55. <laughs> yeah. And so we've, we've, I think we're realizing Freedom 55 is not possible for many Canadians. Um, and so what about delaying it to, let's call it Freedom 70, 75. I know I'm going to get hate mail for this one. <laughs> um, but but uh, Philip, what are your thoughts of, of Canadians actually saying, hey, you may not have the savings that you need or maybe a phased retirement might not work. So delay your retirement.
2: Yeah, I know it's a great point because, uh, you know, obviously when you're, you're, you're in your sixties, you're, you're still healthy for hopefully, and uh, probably a, a lot more flexible than, than in those later years. So it, it, if that's an option, uh, absolutely. And, and, and we're seeing people that don't want to retire as well. Like they, they still have passion about uh, what they're, what they're doing. They still, still want to be out there uh, obviously contributing and, and, and working. So, uh, I, absolutely if if that's an option um and you can delay it um one of the i won't go into all the details but there's some some quite generous um benefits to retiring later from the Canadian Canada pension plan where uh you know the the, the benefit increases uh quite significantly the, the the later you delay it so that is a strategy absolutely and i'm sure andrew talks to to, to folks every day about uh you know what what that, exactly that looks like
0: you know faisal you mentioned or philip mentioned the word purpose and I think it's really interesting because you know it comes down to um, what a retiree's mindset is and what their purpose or their ambition or, or um, um, their why is. Um, mm-hmm. Why are they here? Why, what am I going to do next? And uh, I, I know when I'm looking at um, not only clients on, anecdotally but um, family members in the past where um, I'm not ready to retire. I'm not ready to go at 65 because, or, or 55 or whatever that number is simply because I want to continue to contribute. Yeah, it had nothing to do with the being money. engaged. It's an engagement thing, yeah,
1: for sure. You know, Philip, we do have to go, so I'll give you about fifteen seconds to kind of answer this. And what's one thing that Canadians need to do to be prepared for their retirement?
2: I would say be vocal about their needs. Talk to people, um, um, find out, f- find out, uh, fi- you know, find out from friends what they're doing, and just talk about it. Um, don't don't try and do it alone.
1: Be vocal, love it, Philip Mullen, Vice President and Retirement Solutions Lead for Western Canada at morneau Chapelle. Philip, thanks for joining us today.
2: Thank you very much. Take
1: care. Bye. So, Andrew, there's a whole bunch of options that you have, and there's yep. a strategy that needs to be put into place, being vocal, like Philip said, about, about retirement, and understanding not only an investment decision, but also what you're going to be doing and the other concerns, such as health care, taxes, and so forth. We're going to cover this on Tuesday, December 3rd, 7 p.m. at the Carriage House Inn. Now we're already filling up, so you need to reserve your seats give us a call 966-8400. That's 966-8400 or you can register online at morethanmoneyradio.com. Coming up after the break, how are we going to save taxes in 2019 when we're already in December? We'll come back we'll come back and talk about that. You're listening to 770CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back to 770CHQR and More Than Money and uh here we go. We're ready. Here it comes. Uh, tax time. Yes it is. Okay, this is the fun part because not only do you get excited about saving people on taxes. Not only do I get excited, but there's one guy that I know that really is passionate about saving people on taxes. Uh, he came to Calgary. Was it last yeah, month? Last month we saw him. It was great. He gave us the presentation of his tax tips, went into a little bit more detail of what we as advisors can help our clients with more on. So I really like that piece. And, and so he's a regular contributor to our show. Jamie Golenbeck is the Managing Director, Tax and Estate Planning at CIBC Financial Planning and Advice. Jamie, welcome back to the show. Pleasure to be back. So in this city, in this province, we have a lot of business owners, individual, private corporations. Um, Let's start there. 2019 year-end tax tips for business owners. What should they be aware of?
3: Well, again, we always do year-end tax tips, especially for business owners this year, in light of the changes we've seen in the last couple of years. So uh, there are major changes to the taxation of Canadian-controlled private companies, or CCPCs. The first, of course, is the changes to limit the ability for a business owner to do income splitting. Basically, it says that if you're paying your spouse or partner or children uh, any kind of dividends from your corporation, In most cases, that income will be taxed at the highest marginal rate. That's what we call split income or TOSI. Now, there are a number of exceptions to that particular rule. Obviously, if the um, individuals are working in the business more than 20 hours a week, that's fine. So what we're saying is before the end of the year, if your private company has shareholders like a spouse, partner, or any other adult relatives, you want to be very, very careful before paying a dividend at the end of the year to them. You want to make sure you look at your share structure and determine whether or not um, you want to be paying dividends to those kids or to the spouse if they're not involved in the business. There may be an opportunity to speak to a lawyer or other advisor to do a restructuring of the business. There are exceptions for certain types of companies that if you own more than 10% of the votes in value, you may be able to stream some dividends there. You've got to be very careful. And in particular, if you've got a child who is under the age of 25, you got to be very careful because there's an age 25 test. And therefore, if they are working in the business, you may want to defer that um, you know, uh, until after 2019 if they turn 25 next year. The other big, of course, change to private companies uh, deals with passive investment income. The government did not like the fact that you could accumulate uh, all these extra assets inside your corporation that you're not using for the business. Effectively, what they said is starting this year in 2019 you will lose access to the small business deduction, a ratio of 5 to 1, for every dollar of passive income above $50,000. So one thing that you could look at before the end of this year, December 31st, is if you're trying to keep your investment income in your company below $50,000, are there ways to reduce the amount of income to be able to stop earning the investment income in the corporation? One way to do that, of course, is continuing to maximize RSPs and TFSA's. Uh, we've been big fans. We've written separate reports on this topic. Of every business owner should be maximizing her RSP and her TFSA, taking money out of the company, contributing into those tax deferred, tax free plans. That takes money out of the company, not subject to investment income. Other strategies that are a little more complicated, things like individual pension plans, which effectively is a defined benefit plan for the business owner, even corporately owned exempt life insurance. Again, these are both strategies, a little bit more complex, that allow you to take some of the passive investments from your corporation, move them into a tax-sheltered environment, and therefore maybe keep below the $50,000 passive income limitation.
1: So a bit of change is happening there so people need to get that advice and sit down with their advisor, potentially a tax lawyer to get this figured out because we're running out of time. There's only four weeks left in the year. One thing you mentioned when we were when you were in Calgary, Jamie was about charitable donations and how they differ for corporations who are making donations versus individuals. Let's start off with the the whole let's let's educate our our listeners about what's the what's the opportunity for making charitable donations as an individual and then how can corporations also donate and make that a bit better for them as well?
3: Well, sure. I think as most people know, when you make a charitable donation as an individual person, uh, you get a tax credit. Now, you get a federally credit at 15% on the first $200, anything above that jumps to 29%, anything above $200 a year, even 33% if you're in the top bracket. Top of that, Alberta gives very substantial credits uh, when it comes to charitable giving. So effectively, you could be getting back you know, over 50% depending on how much you're giving each year to charity. When it comes to corporations, uh, a corporation doesn't get a tax credit. It gets a tax deduction. So a corporation could deduct from its income uh, the amount that it donates to charity. One of the things that I like to talk about in the month of December, we get to close to the end of the year, is when you're looking at your portfolios, Hopefully you've got some winners in there, some stocks, some bonds, or maybe some mutual funds that have gone up in value. This is really the big opportunity, whether you're an individual or a corporation. Now the rules is a little bit different, but if you're an individual and you've got appreciated securities, consider making that year-end gift by making a gift in kind. Not only will we get a receipt equal to the fair market value of the securities that you're donating, but in addition you will pay no capital gains tax On the entire appreciated gain, we donate in kind to charity. Now, with a corporation, if the corporation has some marketable securities that have appreciated in value, you get what I call a triple benefit. Number one, the corporation gets to deduct the amount of donation from its corporate income. Number two, the corporation will not pay tax on the accrued capital gain, but number three is the best. The corporation will get a credit to what's called its capital dividend account and that would then allow that corporation to pay out that amount in future tax-free as a capital dividend to the shareholder. So, again, lots of great opportunities there and something that people need to think about before December 31st particularly on an individual basis and for a corporation of course it depends on the corporations you're in but many are december 31st so something to think about now as well
0: so jamie what you're saying there is if you're an individual out there and you want to make a a charitable donation to whatever cause that that you you feel endeared to or passion to that you shouldn't write a check if you have capital gains
3: well absolutely correct and i was amazed at the number of people that really don't realize this the opportunity to make a, a charitable gift Uh, most major charities are well set up to accept gifts of securities. It's actually very simple. It's one or two pages of uh, paperwork. You scan it. They'll walk you right through the process Very easy to do. All I do every year, and this is how I make 100% of my gifts, is at the end of the year, I look at my biggest uh, appreciated security, and I just tell my advisor, I want to donate this much of it to charity. Then what I do, of course, is I take the cash that I was going to give to the charity, and I buy back that security. So there's no superficial gain rule, so effectively what's happening is I'm bumping up the adjusted cost base or the tax cost of our securities back up to fair market value. Jamie, no you got it. I, w- I wish you were here. <laughs> paying no tax.
1: Jamie, I wish you were here because you got to see Andrew's face on this one. He's got, <laughs> like, ear-to-ear <laughs> <laughs> smile. This guy is so yeah. happy right now. You just said triple benefit for corporate owners and in-kind donation. This guy is getting excited right now. It's great. Well, it yeah, is exciting
3: I, I, stuff. Unfortunately, people do not know, and they're not taking advantage of it. So I would say, look, as a real thumb. If you're given substantial amounts, like anywhere, I don't know, over thousand bucks a year to a particular charity, please speak to your advisor about making a charitable gift in kind. And if you don't have any gains in your portfolio, it's time for a new advisor. Because we get <laughs> record highs. Record highs. Record highs last week, right? In the stock markets in Canada and the US.
1: Yeah. So well, that's that's so now let's we've got about a minute left. Uh, let's go through three tips you can give individuals uh, for the year-end that they can they can do right away to help them with their tax situation.
3: Okay, obviously, uh, number one, if you do have some losses in the portfolio, maybe you've invested in the cannabis sector recently, uh, maybe you want to do some tax loss selling, use those losses against other gains. Uh, number two, of course, if you turn 71 in 2019, hopefully you've done so already, you've got to convert your RSP to a RIF or to a registered annuity. Most people choose the RIF option. You've got to do that by the end of the year. And then uh, finally, I would say there are certain expenses that need to be uh, paid by the end of the year if you want to claim a deduction. And I'm thinking like uh, interest expense, if you borrowed money for the purpose of earning investment income or business income, you want to write that off, you want to pay that by the end of the year. Similarly, if you've paid uh, investment counseling fees or investment expenses for non-registered accounts, make sure you pay those by the end of the year to get your tax deduction for 2019.
1: Jamie, thank you so much for all your help, and we'll bring you back on next year to give us the tips for what we can do for 2020.
3: You got it. Thanks again.
1: We've been joined by Jamie Gollenbeck, Managing Director of Tax and Estate Planning, CIBC, Financial Planning and Advice. Um, We are hosting a seminar, and tax is a big issue. One of the biggest concerns financially for Canadians as they transition to and live in in retirement, we're going to show them some strategies on tax. We're going to show them how to profit and protect. We're also going to show them an a asset dedication strategy, a strategy that's designed to bulletproof your retirement. That's going to be on Tuesday, December the 3rd, 7 p.m. at the Carriage House Inn. You need to reserve your seats. So give us a call at 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or you can register online at morethanmoneyradio.com. Andrew, I'm going to pick your brain for the next, uh, right after commercial break. I want us to do, uh, kind of dig in deep on two ways that our listeners can save on taxes this year and going into next year. Yep. So we did some 2019 planning. Now's the time to look at next year and how you can save a boatload of money potentially. And so I want to pick your brain on that one. I want to make sure that we can have that conversation with them because this is going to be This can be thousands and thousands of dollars of savings on tax. As long as you get the advice and you sit down properly and figure this out in advance, Andrew, you're going to open up the the secret sauce for these individuals. So uh, coming after the break, you're listening to 770 CHQR and more than money. Welcome back to 770 CHQR and more than money. And Andrew, we just spoke with Jamie Golenbeck and he gave us his views of some of his tax tips. I want to spend some time with you because on our team, you and your financial planning group really spend a lot of time on the tax side of things. It's a real indicator and issue when it comes to people transitioning to or living in retirement. Well, a lot of things change
0: over that time frame, Faisal. It's not just about the money you're getting or where it's going to come from. It's how much you're going to pay in taxes. And taxes are a huge issue that we have simply because it's the largest line item that you're going to pay um, through retirement. Yeah. And so, you know, we've got some great things going on with income splitting and other things that the government has given us as, as tools for retirees to move forward. But now it's how do we make sure that we, we use those tools and other tools that are in the tool belt um, to take advantage of situations that some clients may have?
1: I want to use the next few minutes for you to open up your secret sauce. And okay. uh, what I mean by that is there are a lot of things that you use at uh, within the tax code here in Canada that have been able to substantially save on people's income tax through retirement let's talk about one idea let's give the listeners and the viewers some indication of one idea that we've been using with our clients mm-hmm. that have saved A boatload of money. We're talking thousands of dollars in tax savings by doing this one simple strategy, and it's called the prescribed rate loan. Let's give the idea what it is, how does it work, and how do you save money on it?
0: Well, a... you know, so humorously, um, I, I know of a few people that, you know, always sort of giggle every year when they, f- they get their taxes done because, hey, the prescribed rate loan really works for them. Perfect. It's a great thing. Yeah. So let's, let's be humorous. So if you're an individual in a high tax bracket, it may be beneficial if you have some... Investment, um, and then you can push that off to a family member, whether that be a spouse or a child, an adult child, um, and they can take on that investment for them because they're in a lower tax bracket. So
1: we're talking about money outside of an RSP and a TFSA. That's right. Okay, you're you're basically, if I understand what you're saying, is let's say you have. Five hundred thousand dollars. I'm making up this number Mm -hmm. here. So you have five hundred thousand dollars outside of RSPs and TFSA's in your name, and you're the higher income earner. Because what Canadians have done over time is, as you saved, you just put it in your name and you've invested it, or you put it, or you've put it in joint name, and you've invested it, or you've just had it, um, you know, company options, whatever else, whatever it may be, grown over time, whatever it may be. So you now have all this money, and any income that you make, either it's interest income, dividends, or capital gains. You're being taxed at your higher tax rate. Your significant other or other members of your family are at a lower tax rate than you are. You can literally use a prescribed rate loan, which is a loan that you can give to that individual. They have to pay you interest, and the current interest rate... 2%. 2% is what they have to pay you. And any income that's made off that portfolio... Is at tax at their
0: rate? Yeah, that's right. But you have to remember, there's a couple reasons for doing this. One, of course, if you just lent the money or or gave the money to a family member, there's what you call in the income tax code as income attribution. Yeah. So you, if you just gave them the money, then what could happen in that particular point is that income would get attributed back to you, whether it was interest or dividends. Um, you'd have to pay that tax on it at your higher rate by lending the money to a spouse or family member um, through this pr- prescribed rate loan mm-hmm. um, it avoids the tax attribution rules so at the end of the year whatever amount of money you lend in this case you used five hundred thousand as an example yeah. um that would be five hundred thousand times two percent will give you yeah,
1: ten thousand dollars
0: yeah um in interest that your spouse has to pay you the higher income earner on the flip side the spouse or family member now can claim all that income in their name moving forward
1: at a lower tax at a
0: lower tax rate capital gains all that comes into play so it's a way of shifting the income Mm -hmm. to somebody else yes you have to pay a little bit but um there's benefits behind it
1: so this is an opportunity for canadians to shift the income tax burden from a high tax rate to a low tax rate, and there's procedures. So get your tax advice, sit down with your accountant, sit mm-hmm. down with your advisor, and go through this. If you've got money outside of RSPs and TFSA's, and you and your family member or significant other are in are in different tax rates or different income levels, this could be an opportunity. This is also an opportunity for you, those who have um, money outside of their RSPs, TFSA's, that they can they can. Use that money at a lower tax rate to fund their children's education. Yep. Private school, hockey, whatever's expensive for these kids. Because trust me, we both know mm. these kids' activities are friggin' expensive. Um, this is an opportunity for individuals to use the tax code to shift the tax burden away from the high income tax earner to the lower income tax earner. And this is a great opportunity.
0: Yeah, now, this rate, that 2% we we're talking about, um, is up till March. Uh, March of 2020. Yep. Um, so it might change. It may go up. It most likely would say the same. Could go down. Okay. But uh, be aware that um, you have up till uh, beginning of March of 2020 yeah. And to, the government will let you know as long number. as you're in contact with your account. And, right? and once you've locked in that number, that number sticks. So if it's 2%, it's 2%. So if interest rates were to go up, it has no effect to yeah. you whatsoever. It's for life.
1: Yeah. For life of the contract. Perfect. Okay, so again, get your advice. Think about that. We've got about two minutes left, Andrew. Yep. Individuals Um, have tax rates changes happening. What's going on there? What can people get, kind of take away for 2019 and 2020?
0: Well, and that's a key thing, 2019 and 2020. You have two situations that really key 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 in, uh, key in for me, Faisal. And the, one, of course, is if your income is high in 2019, you expect it to be lower in 2020. Yeah. There may be some options for you. And same thing for the verse. If your income is lower in 2019 and you expect it to be higher in 2020. So let's start with lower, okay. uh, going to higher. So if you're in a lower income bracket this year and you expect your income to increase in 2020 um what can you do well perhaps maybe you can uh if you can take interest income or or uh capital gains push them out um, so excuse me take them now take them now yeah simply because if you take them now you are taking them in a lower income year so you may want to consider doing that um if there's bonuses potentially possible for you See if you can take them this year versus next year because if you're stepping into a higher bracket, why do that? Why pay more tax? Why pay more tax unless you have to? So there's, there's some levers, as we like to call them, yep. where we can pull them back and forth
1: to do something It's so going to be a little bit more If you know valuable. your income is going up next year, mm-hmm. then the planning needs to be done now. That's right. And the opposite, if you know your income is going to be lower next year, what do you do? Well, if it's going to be lower, then think about all the
0: investments you have that you could potentially be taking a capital gain. Maybe it's better instead of taking it in 2019, we push it off to January of next year or beyond. Yeah. That's totally up to the individual. Yeah. Or, and their tax uh, and situation. Their, and, and their advisor. But, uh, you know, that's one option. Another option, if you have stock options, RSUs, items of that nature, maybe you want to push those off, not take them this year, push them off until next year. Again, once again, deferring income into a lower income year. Makes sense. Reduce your tax bill. Um, this is this
1: is key now. So what, what why I want to bring this up is that tax planning is not a calendar year by calendar year strategy. It is multiple. Oh, it's multiply, a sport. It's, it's, it's a multiple. <laughs> it's a sport. I love it. You love this stuff, don't you? Um, it's a multi-year strategy. It's Absolutely. not just 12 months by 12 months. So sitting down with your accountant, your investment and financial advisor, your wealth planner, all collaboratively working together is what's going to help your tax situation. Dealing with your taxes silo from your investments can impact your tax situation. It can. And so this is where when, you're, when you have assets, when you've accumulated some wealth, you need to be aware that you, you're going to be paying tax. You're going to be paying tax. Taxes taxes are inevitable. When They're and how happen. much is what the planning comes into play? Well, this is exactly it. Then
0: we look at even more tax advantages when you retire and move along the line. So there's always an advantage somewhere along the line. We yeah. just have to figure out what that is and, and uh, attack it.
1: Attack it. Love it. Okay, Andrew, thank you for filling in for Dave. You did a great job. Love that you're here. Thanks for your um, your information on the prescribed rate loans and uh, how individuals can protect and profit in the tax situation uh, going forward. Uh, we're going to talk about tax. We're going to yep. talk about profiting and protecting at our seminar on Tuesday, December 3rd, 7 p.m. at the Carriage House Inn. You need to reserve your seats. So give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966 8400 or you can register online at morethemoneyradio.com I want to thank you for joining us today on 770
4: CHQR and More Than Money.